communism. If you're not familiar with the movement, chances are the word sounds intimidating or even dangerous, especially with all the red tagging happening here in the Philippines. But what is communism exactly? The word may scare you, but do you really know what it means? I'm Marguerite DeLeon, and in this episode of I've Got an Opinion, Rappers podcast on ordinary people speaking up on extraordinary issues, I chat with Lawrence Castillo, a UPLB humanities professor currently in Melbourne for his PhD. Is communism a bad word? And if it isn't, what is it really trying to say? Let's find out. Welcome, Lawrence, to I've Got an Opinion. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me. Okay, so let's get right to it. How would you define communism? Hmm, that's a very difficult question. Yes, because, uh, yeah, because even even within the the communist circles, may mga debate yan eh. But I think uh, we can arrive at a very siguro yung minimum definition. No? It's re- it's it's a worldview that envisions a kind of global order where class states have withered away. So it's basically an imagination of a post-capitalist world where you know, social, economic, and political hierarchies are abolished. And as I've said, um, may mga debate yan kung paano i-implement yung ganitong ambitious, no? we can say it's a, utop- it's a utopian project. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are various content- contending theories, but uh, all of these uh, theoretical differences, they can be categorized under this umbrella thought, uh, system of thought that we describe as communist. So yeah, it's basically a classless, stateless global order. Although I understand that in contemporary usage, no, ginagamit din yung term na communist or communism to refer to what is uh, technically socialism, which is basically more of a state-oriented, uh, state-based uh, state-based system kung saan sinusubukan ng i-abolish no, yung private property at uh, i-nationalize, i-socialize ang production. But it's part of that general uh, comprehensive vision. Right. Kaya medyo, uh, medyo may ganong klase ng nuancing, nuancing lang siguro that when we talk about communism, it's really a global order. Yeah. Okay. Um, what would you say are like the biggest parang uh, in, in terms of ideology, parang the different biggest differences between like the subgroups sa communism? Uh, usually kasi ano ito eh, nakadepende ito sa kung sino ba yung theoretical figure no na sinusundan nila so for example we have the maoists mm-hmm. uh, uh, normally so yung mga maoist groups na kagkasama na yung communist party of the philippines they are of a more peasant based okay uh, organizing uh, peasant based struggle as opposed to say the trotsky the trotskyists mm-hmm. uh, yung mga sumusunod kay leon trotsky na mas may worker oriented worker centered na Na, na strategy for the seizure of political power. So, medyo ano yung mga debate dyan eh, medyo passionate, no? And uh, yeah. until now, it's actually a very a very important point to reflect on, especially if uh, we understand that if all, if all the people who are under the factions envision the kind of, the same kind of global order. So, how do they talk together? How do they develop uh, the bare minimum para ma-achieve yung ganitong klase ng, ng, ano, ng political vision? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds really complicated and... Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
given how complicated it is, how do you personally feel about communism? Like, what's your personal stance on it? Well, uh, it's easy to sympathize and to acknowledge, actually, to sympathize with and acknowledge the, the idea of a political project in which you try to transcend the exploitative and oppressive realities of capitalism. So I would say that I am very sympathetic to that kind of to that kind of idea. And at the same time, I am very much aware that it is dangerous to claim that you support communism. I mean, I think even more in the Philippines, although the same situation is also apparent even in first world countries, because communism even in an academic quarters is, you know, usually caricatured as being, you know, a totalitarian, a Stalinist, you know, and all those uh, terms that have largely acquired derogatory meanings. So I would consider myself to be very sympathetic. Uh, and, and I think, uh, siguro, bigyan kita ng background kung bakit ganito yung stance ko. I mean, I was an activist in the university and I continued to become part of union organizing uh, prior to, move to my graduate studies here in Melbourne. And I have been drawn in my academic work to the imagination of the communist revolution in in cultural representations so that kind of uh, drew me to investigate na ano bang meron sa ano bang meron sa political vision ng ng komunismo sa Pilipinas bakit nananatili siyang powerful considering na ang dami-daming efforts ng gobyerno to discredit it and i grew up in a relatively conservative family na may ganitong klase ng negative attitude towards communism but uh well, I slowly began to understand that uh, it's not it's not something that you can really process without understanding that there is a socioeconomic reality underlying why people would you know leave the comforts of their home and participate in a very difficult struggle. Mm -mm. So um, that actually leads us perfectly into the next question. So in the Philippine context, how is communism generally received? Could you give us an overview? I, I mean, I know it's very complicated, pero <laughs> as best as you can, um, could you give us an overview of communism in the local context? Like, how would you well, describe Philippine communism? Well, we have, uh, I mean, I don't claim that we are the, we have the longest Marxist armed struggle in the, in the world. I mean, represented okay. by the, the National Democratic Movement led by the Communist Party of the Philippines. And, uh, I think there is a, a dissertation in Cornell University that actually describes the revolution in the Philippines as a persistent, a persisting revolution. Okay. Because until now, I mean, it's gone through a lot. There's a very, a very complex history of errors, setbacks, and resurgence, but it's still there. I mean, the segment of the Philippine population continues to support it. So in terms of how it is received, definitely it's received well in, 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 in a, in a non-negligible portion of the Philippine population. And uh, it's very interesting because uh, it started in the late 1960s under the Marcos regime mm -hmm. and it continued until, well, until today, of course. It's a rural-based armed uh, guerrilla warfare and it's Maoist in terms of its ideology and it interprets the Philippines as a semi-feudal and semi-colonial country. So, pag uh, tinanong mo ang, ang kumakaka-encounter ka ng mga NPA siguro or mga, 
mga komunista, no? Uh, tatanungin mo ano yung problema ng lipunang Pilipino. Malinaw yan para sa kanila. It's imperialism, feudalism, and bureaucrat capitalism. So these are the forces that uh, preserve the country's semi-feudal and semi-colonial uh, semi-colonial condition. Uh, we can also consider it in terms of, you know, the broader canvas of Philippine history as a continuation of what uh, scholar Reynaldo Ileto called uh, the Unfinished Revolution. Mm -hmm. So the Unfinished Revolution would take as its uh, foundational moment the, <clears throat> the anti-colonial 1898 revolution under Katipunan against Spain. And then Unfinished siya kasi apparently hindi naman niya na satisfy talaga yung desire ng mga tao na magkaroon ng genuine social justice and equality. Right. So right after the independence, uh, there were insurgencies. May mga peasant struggles against uh, the American colon uh, colonial powers. And then there was the first Communist Party of the Philippines founded in 1930, which was more Marxist-Leninist in terms of orientation. Eventually, nagkaroon ng biyakan, bumiyak yung faction ni Joma Sison from the older Communist Party of the Philippines and they, they re-established, they called it a re-establishment. They re-established the Communist Party in 1968. So, uh, of course, the revolutionary movement has gone through a lot. It became a very important radical anti-dictatorship formation under Marcos and then it was kind of marginalized during the EDSA People Power Revolution. Then, then Cory Aquino was installed as president and she implemented a different kind of insurgency, a counter-insurgency, the, the low intensity counter-insurgency na hanggang ngayon ini-implement pa rin yan. Hmm. And uh, the movement went through a period of crisis. There were the purges, the notorious purges in the history of the movement. There were ideological divisions. So nagkaroon ng tinatawag nilang second rectification campaign known in 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 party jargon as pagwawasto. Okay. So after those periods of uh, crisis and rectification, the revolutionary movement has made a comeback. I mean, it's it practically enjoyed enjoys a resurgence until now. I think Joma Sison proclaimed at uh, two years ago that the revolutionary movement has uh, already. I, I forgot the, the the number of the the specific number that he said mm -hmm. uh, that uh, there that it the, there are over a hundred guerrilla fronts all over the the Philippines, which of course uh, kind of affirms how the revolutionary movement has practically recovered what it has lost during the period of crisis. Mm -hmm. So, ito yung ito yung ano no medyo summary ng history ng Communist Party of the Philippines and the National Democratic Movement. Uh, but it's very important to take note of that it's one among the many efforts in third world countries to to realize an egalitarian society for the people. Uh, marami nang nagsulat tungkol sa kung paano after ng formal colonialism, hindi naman talaga natapos ang paghihirap ng mga tao kasi yung mga pumalit sa mga colonizers, yung mga tinatawag nilang native elites, they practically took over and created different forms of oppression, of, 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 ex, of exploitative and oppressive conditions for the people. And they continued to do so under the pretext of independence, when in fact they remained beholden to imperialist powers. Nag-shift nag nga lang yung kolonialismo, mas naging indirect siya. At ito nga yung tinatawag nila ngayon siguro na neocolonialism, di ba? So it's part of the general, general rep repertoire of national liberation struggles that continue to 
affect many countries all over the world. In India, I think they have the Naxalite revolution. And I believe that the revolutionary movement in the Philippines has some affinity with the Naxalite movement mm -hmm. in India because uh, they also have the same Maoist orientation. And Arundhati Roy publicly expressed her uh, sympathy Wow. Uh, for the uh, Naxalite movement in India. Wow. So it's a global, we can say that it's a global phenomenon. And I think there are other countries that are also building their communist parties in order to continue their respective unfinished uh, post-independence revolutions. Okay. Perfect. Congratulations. You were able to answer that question <laughs> in a matter of minutes. <laughs> so it's only Bernadapat yun. My bell. Ayun. Ay, my bell. Ay, viber ko yun. Sorry. Um, ayun. So actually, it's good that you mentioned other countries because in contrast, given that you're currently in Melbourne, in Australia, parang, w do you have any information on how communism is received in the Australian context, especially since it's a first world country, so to speak? Yeah, sinasabi kasi nila sa mga foreign first world countries, ano daw mas, ano di ba, mas dito mo makikita yung... Ewan ko, uh, success, I think, or mas fuller implementation ng liberal democracy. Kasi in the Philippines, di ba, they, we have all these, all these claims about the country being under a liberal democratic regime when in practice, parang hindi din naman. Kasi yung mga dictatorial policies nung panahon ni Marcos, some of them were carried over in the counterinsurgency tactics of the Aquino administration and the other uh, post-EDSA governments. So Australia, uh, interestingly, when I attended some solidarity rallies here, nakakakita ko ng mga communist parties na daradala nila yung flag nila na may hammer and sickle. So it's actually, ano, uh, communism is actually an accepted part of the, the repertoire of social movements in Australia. Uh, but of course, they also have their own differences. Maraming mga, com maraming mga communist parties dito or mga parties na nagpa-profess ng kanilang Marxist uh, ideological leanings. Pero they all came from this, the Communist Party of Australia, which was established uh, many, many decades before. Pero nag-split din sila because of the ideological differences. Uh, there was an attempt by the Australian government in the 1950s to dissolve the oh. Australian Communist Party through legislation, but it failed. So, hindi siya pumasa sa high court, tapos nagkaroon pa ng referendum, pero hindi rin nagtagumpay. So, it was some sort of a watershed moment uh, for, for the Australian government because uh, until now, hindi nila talaga, hindi nila talaga pwedeng illegalize ang communism. I mean, as far as I know, I mean, I've attended a lot of events where they just openly wave yeah. their flag. That's an indication na it's an accepted part of public discourse. But at the same time, they have uh, a Human Security Act, an anti-terrorism law in Australia. Pero uh, sinasabi ni nga nila yun do anti-terror law natin, partly patterned down sa Australian counter-terrorism. Oh, okay. So, so may ganong klaseng mga ano din, mga, ang description nila ay draconian din. So may ganong klaseng mga counter-insurgency uh, policies din sila. Pero so far, as far as I know, uh, the communist parties here are free to, you know, just walk in the streets and stage their own protests. I mean, when I first arrived at the University of Melbourne, for instance, I saw all these posters uh, by organizations uh, called Socialist Alternative and Socialist Alliance. And these are Trotsky's organizations. So mga komunista itong mga to. And they can just, you know, hold Marxist conferences out in the open. Yeah. So merong ganung kasing kalayaan. And very interesting siya kasi, of course, uh, I, I'm affiliated with... Uh, with some Filipino organizations here that are targeted by 
some red taggers here in, in Melbourne. And some of these red taggers have made the dubious claim that uh, communism Dao is alien to Australia, which is weird because when you go out in the streets during May Day, the May Day rally, mm-hmm. you can see people waving communist flags. Yeah. So that kind of uh, red tagging claim is very, very dubious here in Australia, actually. Okay, so I, I don't want to use the word refreshing, pero parang it's a little refreshing to hear na hindi lang tayo yung, um, hindi lang ito nangyayari sa Pilipinas. Like, um, it's something that really occurs, no matter where, uh, in, in so many different countries. Because yeah, yeah. Australia is vastly different, I would imagine, yeah, from the Philippines. So let's go back to the Philippines. Parang, uh, speaking of the Communist Party, parang how well do you think the Communist Party right now lives up to to the tenets of communism? And, ano, parang, okay, sige, yun muna. Um, what do you call this? Especially since you mentioned that there's a resurgence. Um, so what brought that about? Mm, mahirap yung tanong na kung gano'n siya, gano'n niya nililive up yung ideals, no? Kasi, I mean, uh, I've been very much exposed to the kind of uh, scholarly literature on the National Democratic Movement. I mean, pwede na natin sabihin na merong isang sizable body of work uh, in the in Philippine studies about the Communist Party of the Philippines. And some people would claim na, hindi, ano na siya, it already deviated from from, so to speak, from the originary theoretical point and all those things. But of course, that's a theoretical debate that I yeah. wouldn't want to enter in today. But uh, an important thing that I have to mention regarding that is the fact that the CPP is still in the national democratic stage, which is one stage before the construction of socialism, which okay. means uh, it is m- mainly concerned with national liberation, with disentangling the Philippines from, from the shackles of of neoliberal capitalism, of imperialism. So it's, it's, it's just that. Hindi pa niya concern talaga per se na right after it ceases, it ceases political power, magiging socialista na siya kasi ano pa yun, it's a different phase. Uh, but I think uh, in terms of the ideals of communism, uh, tulad nung nasabi ko, the movement has been through a lot. There were, there's a well-documented history of declines, errors, and resurgence, and even some instances of deviations by revolutionary leaders from the original Maoist framework of uh, protracted people's war. Because the Maoist framework, which is of course very much debated about, uh, calls for yung matagalang digmang bayan na rural-based siya, whereas some other cadres before advocated na hindi, dapat mabilisan na lang ito mag Mag, mag-insurrection na tayo sa mga syudad. May mga ganitong klase ng mga uh, ideological and strategic debates during the, especially during the post-EDSA years. So, uh, to the extent that the revolution has continued to affirm the Maoist framework, uh, it is very faithful to, to that ideal, to, to, its, uh, to its theoretical guide. And uh, at the same time, uh, the fact that the movement has persisted amidst all these uh, debates and schisms and uh, divisions and er- and errors, it's a promising indication of its commitment to, to the cause. Uh, and I think even in the movement's writings, kahit saan mo basahin siguro kahit yung mga anniversary statement, because I've been following some of the statements released by the Communist Party, mm-hmm. there's always a constant reminder to remain very care- careful 
in applying Marxist-Leninist Maoist theories in the Philippines. So that kind of rem reminder is, I think, a very powerful indication. Right. Uh, meron silang caution kasi they are aware of the complex history that the movement has gone through. Marami ng mga ganitong klase ng debate. So it's really important not to not to do wrong. And I think in every political movement, not just communist ones, there's always the an easy relationship between theory and practice. And I think the revolutionary movement is not alien sa ganong klase ng, ng karanasan. But in terms of you know, its commitment and fidelity to Marxism, Leninism, Maoism, I think uh, it remains very committed okay. to, to its theoretical guide. Mm. Parang presence of mind, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -mm. So, how about ano, the USSR, the former USSR, and parang China right now? Like, mm -hmm. uh, what? How would you describe their parang? Because you, some people would say that the USSR is like a failed communist parang project, and. Yeah, yeah. China is kind of like, pang, on, uh, pang from, from my point of view, it's kind of like hypocritical because it's like super capitalist now, but there's still, ano. so pang, what, what can you say about that? Ayun, ang dami na rin ano eh, na, uh, mga debate no, at analysis hinggil dun sa tinatawag na post-socialism, mm -hmm. post-socialisms rather, because alam natin na, ano, na well, the CPP made the, made the assessment that these countries have failed to to uphold the principles of socialist construction and that eventually they have uh, entered the road of capitalist restoration and may analysis din ng mga naging social imperialist na sila kasi we have to understand that uh, they entered capitalism carrying some of the legacies of socialism. That's why China has a very different kind of capitalism na ibang-iba doon sa mga full-blown capitalist guy ng US na imperialist yung character. Pero iba kasi, nadala niya yung remnants, yung residues ng socialism sa panahon ni Mao. So, uh, yun yung assessment na these are failed attempts at socialist construction. These are failed socialist experiments. But I think, uh, and I think it, this is something na hindi naman din foreign sa Marxism, all these failures are something to learn from. And the failures of these formerly socialist countries provide an important historical precedent that the CPP is trying to learn from. Okay. Um, sige, let's let's get a little ano, parang further away from that. Parang, is there a quintessential Filipino communist? Like, what is this person like? If there was a template, so to speak, or is there even one? Mm -hmm. uh, sige, kung sa konteksto ng CPP communism, no, uh, I, the, the, the party has a set of behavioral mandates for revolutionary behavior. Uh, if yung, ay, yung theoretical premise naman kasi yan, ay, if you are to be a revolutionary, you, you are creating a new social order. So it follows that revolutionaries or communists must also embrace a renewal of the self. Hmm. So this is something that the CPP's Maoist framework points to because sa Maoismo meron silang mga guides for behavior. And uh, the CPP has guidelines for disciplining and rectifying errors. Siyempre, mahirap yan kasi kahit naman revolutionaryo ka na, no matter how ingrained yung Marxismo sa pagkatao mo, parang marami kang mga remnants ng dati mong buhay na yeah. if you're a middle class uh, 
revolutionary who suddenly decided na, or who gradually decided to become a member of the NPA. I mean, it's difficult to unlearn all those years of, of I don't know, consumerism, escapism, individualism. Sure. Yeah. So these are things that uh, revolutionaries must consciously overcome. But the existence of the framework for revolutionary behavior to embody a revolutionary selfhood, it, it points to, the, to, the, to that kind of uh, necessity for a, what we call a proper revolutionary subjectivity. Uh, naalala ko kung di ako nagkakamali, may nabasa ako tungkol sa res ocho rule ng mga NPTA na meron silang tatlong rule at ang tawag doon ay tres ocho. So, nandun yung mga dapat nilang behavior. So, bawal kang magmura, bawal kang kumuha ng kahit ano na hindi iyo, among other things. So, wow. okay. meron sa ganong klaseng mga behavioral mandate na sinasabi sa atin na, okay, yung pagiging komunista ay hindi lang siya matter of ideological indoctrination. It's also a matter of consciously renewing yourself to be a revolutionary and to be a better person, so to speak. Mm-mm. Imagine one of the rules is like bawal mag Starbucks. Okay. So uh given that, like what do you think are the biggest misconceptions the common Filipino has about communism and communists? Even before the founding of the Communist Party of the Philippines or the re-establishment of the Communist Party of the Philippines in 1968, meron na talagang orchestrated attempt at efforts ang government, Philippine government, with the help of the United States to, to come up with this, what we call political demonology mm-hmm. para, para i-discredit yung komunismo sa public sphere. At uh, marami yan. I mean, I remember reading a document when I was doing my master's thesis. I remember reading a document that uh, equating communism, it was in, during the Commonwealth period, if I'm not mistaken, which equated communism with being godless and being, mm. being uh, a, serv- a servant of Russia or some sort. So, napaka-simplistic <laughs> okay. nun kasi the thing about communism is that ngayon, wala na namang, talaga, since the Sino-Soviet split, wala na talagang theological uh, sorry ideological adherence ang ang CPP sa kung ano ang Russia ngayon di ba so mm-hmm. wala naman siyang fetish for Russia in other words yeah, yeah. so in, yung interesting din sa kanya yung komunismo bilang isang atheist practice kasi parang they always make use of the mangled and um oft, often misquoted marxist quote about religion being the opium of opium. the people oh, yeah. so but actually, uh, historically, even in Latin America, maraming mga komunista who embraced what we call liberation theology. Mm. And even in the Philippines, uh, basic Christian communities during the martial law period were, were uh, a mechanism for communists to recruit from the faithful. So, dun palang medyo sablay na yung ganong klase ng misconception. Yeah. Another yeah. issue which is, I think, more difficult to, to talk about because it's really... It's, it's often slotted into some sort of moralistic framework is the idea that NPAs indiscriminately commit violence. I mean, mm. let me be clear about it. The Communist Party of the Philippines does not discredit violence per se because mm. it always understands violence as part of a historically conditioned recourse. It's, it's, it's something that you can only understand in relation to particular historical, economic, and social roots. Mm-hmm. So, may ganitong klase ng anti-violence, uh, wholesale anti-violence discourse na 
very hospitable para islot ang NPA sa terrorist category just mm. because it commits violence. So yung usapin ng violence is I think something that has to be clarified regarding communism because the violence that the NPAs commit is part of a civil war. Mm-hmm. So and that civil war in order for it to be understood and not you know reductively uh, denounced or caricatured has to be understood in relation to bakit ba may gera? So, may mga ganong klase ng mga clarification. Another, siguro, ito medyo, medyo ano to, medyo common din to, yung revolutionary taxes bilang form of extortion. Mm, okay. Bahagi din siya nung mga, ano, mga, parang mga episodes na nininitik bilang proof na, ah, niya mga NPA, mga korapyan, ganyan. But, revolutionary taxes also have to be understood in the framework of the revolution's task of building governments organs of political power. Nagtatayo sila ng gobyerno sa nangungulegta sila ng tax. And many studies document, have documented that these taxes uh, are being used for social services, especially in communities na ino-organize ng mga komunista kung saan walang mga pagamutan. So yung revolutionary taxes, kinagamit nila para magtayo ng mga uh, health center at saka magtayo ng mga educational institutions within the the liberated area so to speak. So marami yan, mara, uh, consistent ang ano, consistent naman kasi ang pag ang inflow di ba ng ng mga information and propaganda materials to discredit the the revolutionary movement and uh yeah, it, it's 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 difficult to clarify all those things without taking yeah. into account the complex history of the revolutionary movement and why it's continue why it is continuing. Okay, but you're doing a good job of, ano, <laughs> of uh, kind of simplifying it. Um, this might be a dumb question, but Pang, do you think communism could be better accepted in the country anytime in the future? Mahirap yan, no? Uh, well, sige. Uh, balik tayo sa panahon ni Marcos, no? Sige. During the period of Marcos, and I, and I think nakikita naman natin yung mga indication ng Marcosian atrocities sa... Panahon ni Duterte, di ba? Sure. But the intense repression during that period made the CPP into kind of a heroic figure in the public imagination. And even in <clears throat> even in short stories written by middle-class writers, magugulat kayong ending, biglang titingin sila sa kabundukan uh, with so much hope. So, right. may ganang klase ng public imagination of the NPA bilang heroes of the masses. Uh, so, there's a possibility of uh, of of the broadening of of positive imaginations of communism in the Philippines, even in a period of intense repression, uh, as the experiences during the Marcos regime uh, has shown us, uh, have shown us, and bukod pa dyan, all over the world there is a broader resurgence of Marxist thinking, especially in the academe. So, marami ng mga tao, no, particularly sinasabi nila even the millennials. Millennials are discovering Marx because these people are the ones who experience the the the, the intense socioeconomic disenfranchisement right. caused by communism so there is really the tendency to look for an alternative and marx is already there he provided the the most comprehensive the most systematic blueprint for a post-capitalist order and uh we are seeing that kind of interest uh not just in the western academe not just in western pockets of of, of liberal democracy, but even among the middle class in the Philippines, mm-hmm. now they are already seeing uh, the reality of the armed struggle in the countryside 
And uh, I think even yung, ano yung fact na dinidemonize ni Duterte lahat ng mga sektor bilang mga komunista, parang meron siyang, I think, no, meron siyang somehow deconstructive effect na kung inaaway ni Duterte to mga komunista, maybe they're good if you're going to uh, Duterte in Manichaean terms as the bad guy, di ba? So, I think meron siyang ganong klase ng impact. Eh. I've, I've heard accounts from people in the Philippines na meron daw mga Pilipino na previously sa mga, so for example, sa, sa malapit sa probinsya namin dyan sa Luzon, parang yung earlier wala naman silang pakialam eh dun sa kung anong red tagging, pero lately naiinis na sila. So, merong ganong klaseng boomerang effect, I think, yung red tagging na baka nagkikreate din siya ng opportunity for people to be more curious about the communist alternative and probably uh, be more interested about the political agenda, the liberatory vision that it continues to represent for, for the country. I mean, uh, ako, like, I, I have a more, more or less middle-class bubble. And when I go um, on social media, there are Marxist memes. Yeah. <laughs> parang it's, it's, it's a thing, eh. Parang it, it's, it's something that is, uh, I, I dare say, like, trendy among yeah, yeah. people. So, yeah. So, yung parang it's something that is kind of accepted even in the mainstream. Yeah, um, yeah. People. Interesting yung sa social media. Kasi uh, when I became a little more active on Twitter a few years ago, parang I was actually surprised when I saw a lot of these memes being yeah. mainstream, di ba? Tapos parang I understand na syempre most of these uh, memes are kind of, uh, they're, they're quirky. Hindi sila sobrang, syempre hindi, you, you can't expect... Uh, comprehensive or discursive, uh, you know. <laughs> pero, pero the thing that they are there, tapos yeah. alam mo na meron silang tinatap na anxiety ng mga tao, collective yeah. anxiety ng mga tao over social discontent, economic disenfranchisement, that already says something about how the communist idea is becoming more popular. Um, yeah, you actually mentioned yun, the, the Duterte administration. So, let's get into what is probably like the the trickiest question in this list. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts on the Duterte administration's focus on rooting out people and groups they consider communists? Red tagging. Uh, napakahirap niya kasi ang dami ng mga sobrang sharp na takes about it. Eh, na, of course, uh, ako, I keep on questioning, si Duterte pa ba talaga yung involved, yung, uh, yung, ano, yung nasa in charge or mga military? Kasi parang military junta na yung ganitong klase ng ng thinking eh, na uh, it's a mechanism definitely to inspire terror among the people and force us to submit to his policies. Pero I think an important issue na kailangan ding i-untangle uh, or i-untack would be yung mga financial and political interests that propel this broad anti-communist campaign. Kasi we understand that big companies, especially the mining companies that are targeted by NPA attacks, political dynasties, and even military generals, they all make a killing out of weeding out the insurgency. So they have to be part of the equation. And the state is actually the apparatus that is very instrumental to advance these kinds of interests. Pero at the same time, yun nga, yung ginagawa ni Duterte, pwede siya magkaroon nga ng boomerang effect, di ba? Tulad nung experience nung panahon ni Marcos. The more you stifle dissent, the more you circumscribe the avenues for political practices and expression, the more you attract people to go underground and take up arms. Yung mga legal activists mo na tinataniman, di ba? Na tinataniman mo ng mga armas yung mga opisina nila, parang 
I mean, di ba, of course, it's very difficult to pursue the decision na mag-underground kasi ang dami mong isasakripisyo. Pero kung maging yung legal avenues of expression ay circumscribed na, people may have no other choice but to take things to the mountains, di ba? Okay, so, um, well, you're here, you're there in Melbourne and you're doing, uh, you're taking up your PhD. So could you tell yes, us yes. more about that? Like, tell us more about your dissertation and uh, I believe you have a book coming up. Yeah. Uh, I'm basically uh, studying films and novels produced in the 2000s about the Communist Party of the Philippines and the, oh. the National Democratic Movement in general. So, yeah, medyo relevant yung mga napag-usapan natin doon sa kasalukong proyekto ko. So, I'm concerned with how these cultural texts uh, imagine revolutionary experiences and how they contribute to our collective making sense of the communist vision. Mm. So it's actually an expansion of an earlier project na eventually lalabas siya bilang libro. Uh, akala ko ngayong taon pero you know with the pandemic well, yes. and all. Oh. <laughs> uh, the, this, this earlier project is entitled Digmaan ng Mga Alaala. So it's going to be published by the University of the Philippines Press and it's a study of uh, two memoirs written by former CPP cadres who became victims of the purges in the 1980s. So wow. I kind of tried to explore how the recounting of memory is actually an articulation of political conviction because these uh, two memoirs uh, were actually, they recounted a same, the, the, the same experience in, 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 in the mountains of Mauban, Quezon. But the, the cadres who wrote them ended up you know concluding or making two resolutions about the revolution the one is the first one of course to suffer thy comrades expressed his rejection of the revolution while the other one uh Walhati Abru's memoir Agodilim Agoliwanag expressed her continued support for the revolution so i tried to examine the contradictions in terms of memory making and political violence wow that sounds so interesting Sige. so hopefully it will come out next Year? Next year. Okay. 2021. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so we're actually down to our last question, Lawrence. So uh, we call it here in this podcast our beauty queen question. And okay. um, in this particular contest, given our particular topic, your beauty queen question is uh, particularly hard. <laughs> so, Lawrence, is the utopia that communism aims for attainable? All right. And napabuntong hininga ako dun eh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see. I mean, uh, I, I, I know whatever my answer will be, it's gonna be much. It's, it's gonna be contentious, no matter what, because sure. you know, uh, it's communism, and I, I think it's a vision for for a future for all of us, or a future that some of us may not live through, de ba? Sure. Uh, so if we go by communist by, by Marx's writings, I mean communism is a scientific worldview, which means attainable siya dapat, kasi may mga objective, concrete, and historical conditions of possibility that would shape how how we make uh, political practices towards that direction. But at the same time, uh, Marxism also provides for the idea that there are a confluence of factors in those conditions that can make or break the advance of the struggle. And I think the errors of previous experiments in socialist construction all point to that. And they are somehow enough to make us believe in the impossibility of communism, right? Mm -hmm. But the thing is, uh, they are very much part of the Marxist fabric. 
communism is not mechanically available, achievable. It's it's just because there's crisis, there's capitalism, just because people hate the government, communism will happen. It doesn't happen that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, there has to be the confluence of what theorists would call the, the interaction between the subjective forces, the people themselves, the agents of history, and the objective factors, which are, of course, the social, economic, political conditions that these people live in. But uh, at the same time, no, para lang magkaroon ng konting utopic twist yung ating understanding of communism. I mean, it also has something to do with how we imagine the future. I mean, many centuries ago, people wouldn't have thought that we would arrive at this kind of capitalist global order, right? I mean, in the, kahit siguro kailangan mo ng bolang kristal nung over 400 years ago para ma-imagine na ganito yung kapitalismo. And then it still happened, right? Yeah. So, uh, there's a kind of, uh, I don't know, I, I don't want to call it that way, but it's, sounds like more of a, histo- of a historic inevitability, but it also depends on how people make history. And now we see people working towards it, people trying to make history to imagine a communist order. And I think that should give us a sense of hope. Okay. So in other words, Pang, you'll never know. Like... You'll never know, but at the same time, we see the makings of that history yeah, yeah. because people are working towards it. Okay. Ayun, thank you so much, Lawrence. That was incredibly enlightening and um, I really, really appreciate that I was able to find a rare Pokemon like you (laughs) (laughs) who manages to like talk about this topic in a very clear and uh, what do you call this? Accessible way. (laughs) So that guys is our show. If you'd like to guest on I've Got an Opinion or want to submit an opinion piece to Rappler, just email opinion at rappler.com I'm Marguerite De Leon. Thank you for listening.